The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, Internet. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is your favorite podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? Oh, yeah. Will there be science? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Yahee! Yeah. <laughs> I felt like for one second I was going to try to change up my, like, the way I'm <laughs> intonating and match your energy, and I chickened out, and there's just no way to match it, and I couldn't do it, and here we are. Hey. You don't have to match mine. You just gotta yeah. be at yours. But I literally there was like, is already making us successful. <laughs> there was literally like I I tried to like hit the and I'm Dr. Joanna Wickens slightly differently and then immediately <laughs> said never mind. <laughs> just clicked right back into that groove. Yep. <laughs> so Hey, work. Go off. Yeah. Sis. Yeah, I'm consistent. It's fine. Do you, honey? <laughs> That's a good trait. <laughs> That's a good yeah, it's a good one. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I was just in um, Tennessee for the week in Nashville. So that was fun. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Southern. Very Southern. Very Did hard. Did you see Hayden Panettiere and Connie Britton? <laughs> no. I wish. Uh, it is not Does easy to be. now officially country strong? It's not easy to be. I was like in a smaller town outside of Nashville uh uh-huh. it was it's not easy to be a vegetarian in in tennessee i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it no. there i'm gonna say no. that no hot take it was difficult yeah. trade difficile um yeah i would imagine so mm-hmm. um funnily enough i have been very vegetarian th- t- today i uh last night for dinner i, I was cooking uh and i just didn't i just was like what am i gonna cook and I, so i i was like what do I have? And I literally found a rest. I just Googled the ingredients that I had that I was like, I kind of think something like this. And I found a recipe. I literally Googled like cannellini beans and tomatoes. And I just like made something and I made this like really good kind of like bean stew and I ate it with baguette. You know, and then I had that again for lunch. You are delicious. like a legit good cook. I will say when we were both in Miami, so nice. I, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, like, how uh, worthy my praise is because uh, I'm horrible. But I remember you were, like, you made, like, a tomato sauce from scratch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) From scratch quotes. Uh, And, like, I mean, you really did. But it's, like, a simple thing. But, like, to me, it, like, blew my mind. It was so delicious. And, like, you told me how you did it. I have tried to replicate it. I don't think I told you this. I've tried to replicate it. Four years and have never, <laughs> ever matched what you accomplished in that little quick, like, thrown again, uh, thrown together dinner. 
Yeah, I do. I I am very proud of that. Like I do it. I do that sauce often. It's like a ten minute yeah. tomato sauce. I, I don't know how to do it. So from from tomatoes. Yeah. Not from not from paste. Right. Uh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. That is a very nice thing to say. Um, yet, you know, good cook or not, one of us has a man. <laughs> So I may I'm eating just good good alone. Yeah, I mean that yeah. sounds pretty good sometimes to me too. Honestly, it's not it's not so bad. Me and Gord's, me and Gordy just hanging yeah. out on the couch. She's actually quite a good uh, little meal companion. She really likes to do this thing where she comes up and just smells my mouth, but she doesn't lick my face. Like she's That's got respect. So she's got boundaries. Yeah. But she's like, can I just smell your mouth, please? <laughs> And uh, she's quite yeah, good manners. That's good amazing. Manners. I mean, like if that was a human, you would you would not say good boundaries. But like for a dog, that's amazing. I mean, if it was a baby, you'd be like, oh, it's nice that she doesn't claw my face. <laughs> like babies will like grab you or t- you know. That's like, true. Yeah, she just gets real close. Yeah. Just wants to know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what's up. I picked a movie oh this week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I have no I idea what it is, week. but I just, you you said you were excited about it, and I feel like all of your picks are so good, and so this must be I, a real doozy. Here's my fear, is that I really oversold it. <laughs> but I want you to you know. overhyped it. It felt topical to me. I, um, it felt topical to me, and so I'm, I'm going for it. Okay, let's do it. Um, so this is a movie... From in the heart of our sweet spot, mm-hmm. 2001. Yes. All right. Legally Blonde 2. There's, I, no. <laughs> First of all, Legally Blonde 1 came out in 2003, 2002. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> check your facts. <laughs> Back up. All right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh the tagline there's one tagline so if you don't get it we're just not going to watch a movie cool cool cool. the one tagline no is this she rocks she rules she reigns is it princess diaries it is princess yes! oh my god this is really good this is really really good we've been talking a lot about sovereignty and royalty in the in the news as a society you may have heard yeah. You may have heard. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of problematic royals. Especially in Genovia. I was going to say there's a lot of problematic royals, but try to say something problematic about, <laughs> <laughs> about Genovia. <laughs> Just kidding. We will. There is some stuff that is problematic oh, sure. about yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to talk about princesses. Yes. I love that. I'm, I love this movie. I mean, it's, there's other themes here, but like... Mm, pretty sure it's about princesses (laughs) period end of list yeah i Um, there's not a lot of psych research on princesses so we'll talk about other things i suppose yeah i'm i'm i like her relationship journey Mm -hmm. it's like developmentally like appropriate (laughs) journey yeah. Uh, with that guy starts Eric. out with Eric Von Denton, yeah, who like was, and then goes to Michael Moskowitz, uh, who was apparently in a band called Rooney. Heck yeah, he that is. Guy. Yeah, they had a great that. song that I don't recall the name of, but I was real into. <laughs> um, yeah, he yeah. was like such a cutie little, 
little like band musician guy and Eric yeah, Von Detten. I mean, Detten so is, is Eric Von Detten, TBQH. A musician? No, but doesn't he feel like he's like in a band? A boy band, maybe. Like a surf band. Yeah. Not like like Beach not Boys. Like deep, like M&Ms on your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Heather Matarazzo. I mean, she's there's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to talk about. Mandy Moore. Uh, voice of an angel, that one. <laughs> she sings in this too, right? She does. Yep. Stupid Cupid, stop picking on me. <laughs> I'm sure that was like written into her contract. Um, I'm not sure. She's talked a little bit about it, but yeah, she, um, she, I, I do. I, I we're, a, we're Mandy Moore stands on this channel. Oh, 100%. I mean, she as as listen to the saved episode. <laughs> Big fans. Big um, fans. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. This is great. This is like, I will say, you know, some of the picks that we've had, it's like, you know, that I want to talk about a certain thing. So I choose a certain movie and then you watch it and it's like, this is heavy. This is, mm-hmm. this is like, yeah, it's like a lot. It's just like, like passing is a film, right? This is a, a flick. You know what I mean? This is a flick. And it is this is a movie. Perfect. A movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie. It's perfect. And like yeah, I, I love this movie. I would be This is a sick day movie for me. Oh yes. I would be yeah. I, I wanna know like how many of our listeners haven't seen this movie. Like do it Yeah. Because it just seems like such a good overlap. Like we can just like have fun and Yeah. That's apparently I'm coming in hot with season two with these 2000, 2001, like rom com kind of like, but like woman centered rom-coms. Yeah, like it's not about the relationship. The relationship is like tertiary right. in this plot point. What really matters is, oh, makeover movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm two for two on makeover <laughs> movies this season. <laughs> they are so fun. I mean, they were everything Watch. in the 2000s. That I'm going to show up with She's All That next time. Yeah. And everybody's going to be we, like, Well, we did She's the Man. She's the Man. That's right. We've done... Well, that's only... Sem- that's a make under. That's true. She gets... It's yeah. a make different. I actually did... It's a make different. And we'll talk about this on the other side because there is a lot to be said mm-hmm. about a makeover movie that we didn't necessarily do very much of on uh, That's a very good point. And there is a lot to explore there for sure, even though it's There's literally so fun... It's so fun, and I just like I don't know. I mean, it's it's like I know it's a problem, but it also no. It's was, the most. It was part of like my be, like as a teenager watching these films. It was just so delicious. I don't know how to describe yes. it. Oh my gosh! No, because here's the thing: it's lowest common denominator. But here is the thing: Doritos are delicious. Yes, exactly. They are not the only kind of food you should be consuming. Right, right. Uh, this is not to food police anybody either. <laughs> uh, but what, it, what, what I'm saying is, right, there's a certain kind of easy charm to this, right? Uh, it is the kind of thing we've been trained our whole lives to like, to like. And in this sense, like, this kind of beauty is very snackable, mm-hmm. right? It is giving us a very snackable, easy catharsis that is also problematic and we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it um but the you know i don't know i feel like even just talking about (laughs) like our millennial is showing you know 
Like, it's just, like, so, like, squee, we love makeovers. And I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) So, it's Here's the thing. We just need a diversity of makeover. Yeah. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Our theme music is already playing us out. We gotta go. We'll be right back. We gotta go. We gotta watch this movie. We'll be right back after these messages. Bye. Bye. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We are back. We are back. We watched it. Notably, I can't believe we didn't catch this in the intro. We we clocked Heather Matarazzo. We clocked Mandy Moore. I didn't realize this is the second movie they've been in together. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching and I was like, wait. Uh, Was this before or after? This was before Saved. Okay. This was 2001 and Saved, I think, was 2004. Yeah, yeah. Um, and talk about repeats. This is our second Anne Hathaway makeover. <laughs> We've had two Anne Hathaway makeover movies. We've had a lot of makeover movies. Maybe we should do a podcast on our own psychological. <laughs> because they are so Listen, fun. I, uh, yeah, we've done quite a few. At least three now. Just off the top I mean, of my with head. The, at least three. This with the with. This season, yeah. This season, this is our second one of the yeah. season out of three <laughs> films. I guess technically, Passing is also a makeover movie if you think about it. Yeah, it's not like featured in the movie, but it is a big plot point. Right. You know, there was a montage of her going blonde <laughs> in Passing. Yeah. God. I I uh, watched this movie, and then I immediately uh-huh. also watched Princess Diaries Two: Royal Engagement. Because I was like, I must. How do you even? You must. Did you know that there is a Princess Diaries 3 in the works, except not kind of. So Gary Marshall directed this movie. R.I.P. He had wanted to like make a third one and everyone was on board, but then he passed away. So, but they were still moving forward with it. And as of 2019, there's like, they're still working on the script. But like all of the actors have like verbally said they're super down, and wow. But then I mean, it's they're based on books. So the second one was not good to tell. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the second one? 
I did it see is. it in in uh, theaters with actually my uh, childhood bestie, like my oldest oldest friend Brittany, and I came out to her in the theater oh before the movie started. Which, funnily enough, let's reset the scene. I was there to see Princess Diaries <laughs> two. Yeah, I was like, wait, paint <laughs> with a my oldest friend, <laughs> and came out to her. Uh, she was shocked, yeah, as you course. can imagine. Just kidding. No, she was like, I was just waiting for you to tell me because like everybody else has been saying that about you. But I was like, unless he tells me, I don't really believe him. But then she was hurt because she was the last person I told. But here's the thing, y'all. Often the person you care the most about is the last person you tell because they're the one you don't want to lose. Yeah. Yep. So she was like one of the last of my high school friends that to know. That makes a lot of sense. Anyways, you were saying, what did I know about this movie? I forget Fun every, fact. every thought I had. Uh no, just that. Have you seen this movie? Yes. Oh yeah, it is not based off of a book. Great. I don't know if you could tell. It's the sequel. The sequel mm-hmm. is not based off of a book. It is an original story by somebody, but Chris Pine. Julie Andrews. Chris Pine's. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Chris Pine's uh, debut. Chris Pine. Yeah, I saw it. <sighs> I saw it. this. Is this before he did Just My Luck? It was. His it was right around the same movie. time. Yeah. This was his first mm-hmm. movie. He's so handsome. So in it. handsome. Um, yeah, Julie Andrews sings in it. I remember that. Uh, we're just talking about the sequel. Should I know, but there's also the one? mattress surfing scene. <laughs> I just can't. yeah. Also, they fixed some of the issues in the first movie by actually having people of mm-hmm. color. Uh, there's all the princesses none in the first one. Yeah, all the princesses in the second one. Yeah, um, a princess slumber party. Um, it's kind of a musical too, right? Yeah, we should get back to the first one. <laughs> let's let's watch this movie. Let's all right. So, let's set up. So this movie actually has ten thousand plot points. So lot. I think this one we need to really because it is based on a book. Be, it is based on a book. There's a million plot points. Um, I think we can keep this real short and sweet. Yeah, I have a feeling most of our listeners have experience with this. Y'all one. have seen this movie. You e- even if you haven't seen this movie, you know what this movie is yeah. about. Uh, Anne Hathaway is a hideous teenager. A <laughs> She's disgusting got frizzy hair. She's never uh, waxed her eyebrows. Does she wear? Gla- yeah, she wears glasses. She wears. Of course, she wears glasses. I mean, did I look like this in high school? Not. No, I definitely right. look like. She this. has big curly yeah. hair because ew. Which again, there's some like white supremacy, some anti-Semitism, some like there's a lot I mean, of like beauty ideals, right? Beauty standards. This yeah, is all. Yeah, she's the anti-Aryan. Yeah. In this yeah. film, but white yeah. still, obviously, uh, it's it's very problematic. The the beauty standards, um, yeah. She just she's clumsy. She's shy. She wants to be she's invisible. Interested in rock climbing. Yeah, she has like yeah yeah. She's close with her mom. She has a single mom. She has one best friend, Lily. Heather Matarazzo, who has who's like a politico. Mm-hmm. Like she she's super super like Greenpeace oriented. Um, super like anti-capitalist, anti-establishment, LOL. Yeah, she goes to this like um, fancy, schmancy Catholic school. Where she's yes, kind she of goes to a fancy outcast. school uh, where the mean people are played by Mandy Moore and Eric Von Detten. Mm-hmm. She has a big crush on Eric Von mm-hmm. Detten. Um, and she is friends with Lily's brother, Michael Moskowitz. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, she is terrified of public speaking. Don't worry, that's going to come back. <laughs> Um, and you know, you sort of get these establishing moments that she has a great relationship with a single mom. Her dad has died and she is called in very early in the film to meet her grandmother 
who literally uh, turns out to be the queen of Genovia. A clown. (laughs) Listen, in my world, all women are clowns. Shut Um, up. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, Yeah, played by Julie Andrews. Really well, actually. Played quite well. Um, And there's a few really cute lines, for instance, like, I'm about to tell you something that will change your life forever. She goes, oh, I've already had braces. And she says, no, it's so much bigger than orthodontia. <laughs> I also like when she says, shut up. This is in the first and the second. It's like, you know, they say it like, gee whiz, golly wally. <laughs> yeah. They're explaining other, yeah. other uh, ways. Of She's an American teenager. Um, and again, it's very similar to the all of the other makeover films or or in uh, She's the Man too, where it's like, <laughs> I'm a slob. Yeah. And it's like, girl, like you would not be like this. That's true. Anyways. They all eat with their mouths open and they're clumsy. They're all goblins. Yeah. It's like they're all goblins curly with just no decorum. No ta- basic table when, manners. To be honest, I think it's poor writing because if you're that shy and we're going to talk about some shyness yeah, later on with you. If you're that shy, you know how to blend mm-hmm. in. And you blend in not by like slamming your spoon right. down or, or like breaking, linking it into your breaking thing. Breaking art. Or, like, breaking a champagne glass. Yeah. Like you you know how to make yourself small. Right. Anyways, believe it or not, I don't think this movie is realistic. <laughs> um, anyways, so let's cut through the all the film and just say uh, that she finds out that uh, she needs to take, uh, she needs to enter claim her throne as the princess of Genovia, Genovia, so that otherwise the country of Genovia will cease to exist. Yeah, which may be owned by some family with a woman with an ugly nose. Oh, that was all oh, horrible. Oh, it's going to come up in what I talk yeah. about today. Um, and uh, so she is very reluctant. She doesn't want to be a princess. She starts to try to do these classes in private to learn decorum and etiquette and Anyways, somehow beauty is also part of what's right. required of a princess. Right. Gorgeousness. And um, this dude who's also Larry Miller. Somebody like that. I don't he's, know. He seems like Dan Aykroyd's brother. Yeah, but he's, but not. he's like, he's part of that cohort of Yeah, he's in comedians. there. Uh, again, a, a mincing hairdresser. This is the second time this season we've had a mincing hairdresser do a makeover yeah. episode. Uh, makes her over plucks her eyebrows, breaks her glasses, and straightens her mm-hmm. hair. Um, and all of a sudden, she gets one keratin treatment, and all of a sudden, she's a supermodel. Right. Um, but anyways, she now shows up at school. Lily gets mad at her, which I really hate, hate that scene. I hate it. Her friend becomes really, really just a bully. Like, is a really mean friend. Uh, is it, and is, like, so uh, yeah, angry, she's, yeah. like, going mainstream or right, whatever. Right, like, calling her a sellout, like, really making her feel... Awful. And there's like the part where um, Joe, the dry, uh, what's his name? What's yeah, his name? Hector yeah, Elizondo. Yeah. Where he's, you know, the Eleanor Roosevelt line, like no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even when I was like a teenager watching this, I was like, yeah, but also Lily was being such a bee. Like, can we just yeah, name that? Really, really can we mean. Just name also, that? this is our second Hector Elizondo. He was also in Premiere Runaway Bride. Well, Gary Marshall. Uh, also directed by Gary yeah. Marshall. And, <laughs> yeah. and the assistant was in that movie, too. Because I oh think it's God, like yeah. she's his daughter or something. I think there's there's some connection there. Oh, sure. Nepotism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, so um, 
her friends being mean. Then the world finds out she's the princess. Because she's the, now like struggling because yeah. that the hairdresser. Well, there's that it. famous line with Sandra. Oh, oh my God, Sandra O. Oh. oh my God, Sandra O oh is the yeah, principal, Gupta. the only non-white actor in right. this film. Um, she's the vice principal. Mm-hmm. God bless Sandra uh, O. Oh. She's, she's so good steals. in this movie. Scene stealer. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, Sandra O oh is like very much like a sycophantic vice principal who's so that, excited that, to uh, meet audio her, like her was grandmother tiktok like going around tiktok last year at some point of the gupta oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the queen is coming um the queen is coming uh yeah she's fabulous um also was at the queen's funeral sandra oh yeah. um the the queen of england right uh because she's the apparently queen. like a canadian honorific right. she's like she's like OBE a like an obe but of canada yeah. the order of canada or something okay. like that um anyways i digress we'll talk about that <laughs> uh but so um the world finds out she gets to she now is like the popular kids are claiming to know her there's paparazzi everywhere um mandy moore and eric von detten have broken up and they're both trying to like get on her good side sort of but she goes to one party kisses him immediately like gets caught by the paparazzi. He then kisses her in front of the paparazzi. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, and then Mandy Moore like tries to like, like tricks her into changing in a tent. And then the paparazzi, like then they move the tent and she like the paparazzi take pictures of a 15 year old girl like changing harassment, like extreme yeah. harassment. Also like to be honest, like, I'm kind of like, hey, Mandy Moore, why are you doing that? Right. When, like, you could really just try to be her friend. Right. Like, they're all just mean to her right. the whole time. And it's like, just listen, her. if you were really uh, a fake little thing, yeah. like, you, you would just try to get on her. Here? Yeah, like, you're claiming to the press that you're best friends with her. Like, why wouldn't you try to, like, anyways, I don't think this movie's realistic. Yeah. She's not smart. <laughs> um, she's not smart. Um, and then immediately, and Anna Hathaway, of course, like disappoints her friend. This is the big like crux. She embarrasses the queen. The queen tells her she should probably, you know, turn down the crown. Yeah, it's a whole media fiasco that kind of embarrasses Huge. the royal family. Yeah. And so the queen is very upset with, uh, you know, the princess. And yes. Dr. Elizondo is like, yeah, but as a grandmother, that was pretty harsh to your granddaughter. As, yeah, as a queen, it was fair to somebody who would represent her country. As a grandmother, it was harsh on a granddaughter. Yeah. Cut to, she gets a letter from her dad who died, been in a book that it's her cat journal. was sitting on. In a journal. And the letter is like, mm, bravery. words of affirmation, bravery, yeah. and, and heart, and It love. sounds like someone like, um, like cut out a bunch of words from Shakespeare and then jumbled them up and then like put them back down again. Right. Um, and then she decides to like go for it. She goes to this big party because, of course, there's a big party where she has to the announce ball. it. Where she um, needs to, yeah, pu- her public speaking phobia comes back. And of course, she is also shows up covered in, she's all wet. She, because like to get there, her car is a convertible. There's a car storyline. We're not going to include it. Um, you also and then, miss the whole Michael Moskowitz crush thing. Honestly. Because there doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter like, at all. Like, it's just like, oh. They just had to give her a boyfriend, yeah, yeah. which is a little bit like, mm. Yeah. Um, anyways, he shows up at the ball later on. But um, but she then, like, gives a speech about how, like, she 
like turning this crown down would be the selfish thing to right. do. And so she, what she wants to do is use this platform to do good in the and world. And it actually was Lily's words that kind of encouraged her to own that. Yeah. Even though Lily yeah. delivered them in kind of a crappy way. Well, she has a redeeming speech in the middle. She does, and she even owns her own like jealousy and stuff like that. She owns her jealousy. She owns it, and she's like, "Yes, but here's the thing." Like, and she has a nice thing where she's like, "Having, wanting to make all the change in the world, but having no power to do it." Um, when you you have an opportunity to have real power and a real platform, you could make real change here. And so, yes, of course, I'm jealous. Yes, of course, but I do think you should do this. I don't think you're a sellout. I think you're. You know, you're given an amazing opportunity right. and you should take right. it. Anyways, she gets her crown. The queen's really sweet. They then put her in this gorgeous oh, gown. Gorgeous. She Ooh, looks amazing. That gown at the end is stunting. Yeah. Um, and then the boyfriend shows up and then she's a princess forever. Yep. That's it. Until the second movie, Rut Row, what's going to happen? <laughs> um, but no, it's a, it's a super cute movie. It is. It is like, it is cotton candy. Yeah. Um. We love a makeover. Uh, so I wanted to do this movie, as I said in the intro, because, you know, what we're talking about here is something that's super topical because people are obsessed with royalty. Mm-hmm. They are um, deeply, deeply into all the things, right? We know the names of the of the children. We, we care about all these things. Um, actually, fun fact, when I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, uh, the, the test questions to get onto the show, one of the questions was, what was the name of the third royal child? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I knew the answer. Isn't it Louis? Which I, it is Louis. Um, but I have never been deeply obsessed mm-hmm. with, with the royals or royalty. But it was one of those things that I was like, oh my God, I, I think I know the answer like to this. And the dude it, told yeah. me that on the phone, I was the, I was the only one who knew it. Wow. He was like, you're actually the only one who's gotten that today. And so, like, I don't even care about royals, but it is laminated on the inside of my forehead, right? Um, So I I want to do a little bit of research. So what I actually found, because, like, you know, this is not the kind of thing that there's a lot of academic research, but I did find um, an article in Time magazine that's basically, uh, that came came out in 2018, just before Meghan Markle married Prince Mm -hmm. Harry, um, that sort of looks into... uh, what is this idea of, um, you know, why do we care so much about royalty, particularly as like the ultimate in, in celebrity, right? And so um, wh- there, there's uh, a researcher who studies um, this kind of social interaction, this kind of social, social psychological phenomenon, and describes it as parasocial behavior. Uh, which creates this one-sided relationship in which somebody becomes attached to a person without ever having interacted with them mm. in a meaningful way. We may have we may so, have touched upon this. I forget in which episode, but this sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, we may have touched a, a little yeah. bit, and we we've talked about some of the things, but uh, we're going a little a little deeper at least yeah. in this. Um, but so uh, parasocial behavior is where you really actually develop this like very strong emotional investment. It could be something like even even somebody from a favorite television show, a sports team. Listen, the amount that I know about the UCLA women's gymnastics team <laughs> is like truly unhinged. Um, and so like the lives and dramas of the royal family are just one more, one more thing. And so, um, you know, one of the things I also like to uh, add, and this is sort of my own editorializing, is like, you know, the idea of royalty being the ultimate celebrity is 
absolutely bought in to the system that perpetuates uh, their position, right? Absolutely. So like we want to believe that these people are somehow, <laughs> somehow bigger, better, like more important, more fascinating, more attractive, more whatever, because, uh, and that serves them, mm -hmm. because it makes those, their subjects uh, feel um, like the world is right. It makes them believe that this is how the world should yeah. be. Um, but also like, you know, wh when we talk about, and, and anybody who follows me on Instagram knows I've been talking a lot about this, um, you know, the monarchy, particularly the British monarchy, is the most intense and expansive uh, operation of white supremacy in, in world history, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's some, I saw something that said that um, every seven days there is a nation, approximately once every seven days, a nation celebrates their independence from Yeah, Britain. but that's why, I saw that on your, your Instagram, that's wild. Right, which is wild, right? It mean, I mean, they took over the entire world, which like, yes, we can call it colonialism, but really understanding that they went into places where, which are largely non-white places. Mm -hmm. They weren't conquering a lot of mm -hmm. Europe. I mean, they did a little bit of it historically, but as soon as like global travel became possible, they went uh, and, you know, captured, killed, murdered, all the things, um, killed and murdered being synonyms, of course, <laughs> in this case, uh, you know, uh, black and brown folks all around the world. Uh, enforced their their own you know political systems, stole from them, like did all these things. So like, I find this to be particularly fascinating because it's just white supremacy. It is literally yeah. just a huge example of we literally will reign supreme yeah. over y'all, um, and then act as though we're doing you uh, a favor. Um, but yeah, it is it is whiteness. So one of the things that happens that I sort of mentioned is that this parasocial relationship leads to a deep-seated attraction to this illusion of heroism because we have these dreams of wealth and fame and happiness. So therefore, they represent this idea, like in this film, that we might be plucked out of obscurity mm -hmm. and brought to this. So they get to be this, this sort of um, magic... Magical uh, thinking. ...fairy tale. They get to be this magical fairy tale. And then the media, of course, plays into it because it is so successful. It's so egocentric for all of us to be like, ooh, especially a story like Kate Middleton mm -hmm. or Meghan mm -hmm. Markle or Princess Diana, mm -hmm. right? Who came from obscurity right. and marry into this like legendary, you know, sort of pantheon of these names. I mean, like the, the Queen Elizabeth II just died. Elizabeth the first we're still making movies about yeah. her like the 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 sort of like the the closeness to it is sort of the ultimate um kind of thing so um uh and, and there's another uh uh psychologist named Lynn McCutcheon who um wrote a paper on uh, a seminal paper on celebrity worship um where he and his colleagues uh sorted fans into these different categories and so based on this what the, what they created was a 23 point celebrity attitude scale mm. so those on the lowest end of the spectrum according to the research just would watch or read about celebrities on their own those in the first category of true celebrity worship turned the activity into a social pursuit so they would share it they discuss it with others They'd have watch parties. <laughs> um, this type of behavior is usually pretty harmless, but um, most of the people we would call like celebrity worshipers wouldn't get beyond this. But some 
cross into this like very intense territory where where um, in the second category where people become really obsessed with a particular person they begin to believe that they're soulmates that they have a personal relationship um, and in this third category which is the rarest and most dangerous they may even perform extreme behaviors such as stalking um, very powerful very powerful drugs yeah. Um, thoughts? I've been talking so much, Joanna. No, that's super interesting. I feel like, I mean, that first category, like, who isn't in that first category? Who isn't in that yeah. first category, right? Yeah. Right? Well, and, you know, it 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 has a, a lot a lot to, to say, right? The media is everywhere, right? Everything is the media. You are listening to the media <laughs> right now. We are the media. Um, that's a weird thing. That is about, a weird actually. thing. I don't know how I feel that. about we that. We are the media. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're journalists. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, so the media contributes to this, of course, just in the like availability, like heuristic, mm-hmm. right? Like the more we just, there's just more information for us to grab. We just, so this is the information that we hold um, about the Royals and things like that. Um, and the language, you know, the history of the U S and the UK is of course important. We're a former British colony, you know, but people really view a lot of this as entertainment. It becomes like it becomes like a TV show except the TV show never stops running because they're real people. Yeah, I mean, I wonder um, like the the gossip aspect of it, like is it something that we can bond with others about? Like is there's like a social bonding component to it of just like, oh yeah, you know who this person is too. Let's talk about this person. I think yeah. so. I, I, people either love them or they love to hate yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of people, as I've, you know, I've just named, like, these are the faces of white supremacy. Like, I'm so mad at them, blah, 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 blah. Um, that being said, like, I think Meghan Markle's kind of serving, like, all the I mean, time. I'm, like, very yeah. into, like, we had a black American princess. Like, that's Unbe- yeah, work. No. Unbelievable. But... The whole, indis- it, it, the whole uh, institution is deeply fraught. So one of the things that, uh, you know, and, and, and we can kind of leave that at that, although we'd love to hear your thoughts, but what, one of the things I wanted to also discuss is the beauty aspect, aspect mm-hmm. of this movie and how Anne Hathaway doesn't just get to be a princess. She has to also be beautiful. Yeah. Which is, A of all, like, um, not true. Right. Right, like the 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 idea. There are long and storied histories of um, royals being not gorgeous. They're born into this thing. So we've sort of Americanified this and beautified this in this like magical. In order for her to be someone we admire, or even even an even shittier space, in order for her to be deserving, yeah, of this honor. Right. We need to believe that she's beautiful. That, I mean, look at all fairy tales with princesses, right? Like, what is one yes. of the first descriptors? They're the fairest of them all, or they're, you know, their beauty is unmatched. Right. Like, they have to right. be, that has to be a central A part brilliant of mind for STEM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come yeah, on, no, Disney. You're right, right? Yeah. Come on, Disney. Um, and, and I saw, you know, somebody tweeted this years and years ago, and we talked a little bit about this when we did um, uh, Encanto. Right, that like having characters with because the, the girl in Encanto uh, looks like Mirabel, looks like Anne Hathaway in the first part of this movie, 
uh, I mean, different race, well, but she has curly hair and she has glasses. Yeah, and there's there's and she, also um, people who have darker skin tones in the same family that they like they honor yes. that that very very honor that. variation. Absolutely. So so I do think there is some progress, and we we talked about that in the Encanto episode. Please go back and listen if you haven't yet. Um, but. You know, one of the things that we talked about when we when we've talked about beauty and these different standards is the concept of something called the halo effect. Mm-hmm. Um, most m- most of y'all probably listening to this have either heard us talk about it or you've heard this concept. You're seeking out, you know, a psychology podcast like you y- y'all are like doing your homework. Um, so what the halo effect is is a type of cognitive bias in which our overall impression of a person influences how we feel and think about their character. Mm-hmm. Essentially, your overall impression of a person, uh, like he's nice, impacts your evaluations of that person's specific traits. He's also smart, Mm -hmm. right? So perceptions of a single trait carry over into how people perceive other aspects of that person. I think we've talked about John Hamm on 30 Rock as he's in the the bubble. Right. Um, He's in the bubble, right? Where he's so attractive that not only like do people... Uh, think he must be smart. Like he's a he's a, he's a doctor, physician. Yeah. He's a doctor in that. Um, but we also, you know, he because he's attractive, he's also successful, and he must be likable and intelligent and kind and funny. Despite uh, in this, despite, like he's like, like so much evidence to the contrary. <laughs> so much evidence to the contrary, and and in Thirty Rock, he is like, no, I'm actually I used to play tennis professionally right. or like whatever, and he does all these things, and you realize he's bad at yeah. everything. It's just the whole world has always told him. He's good yeah. at things. This is a, a great sort of hugely exaggerated example of the mm-hmm. halo effect, but it's a real thing. So the halo effect uh, is sometimes referred to as like the physical attractiveness stereotype. Um, and it's this illusion that what's beautiful is also mm-hmm. good. Physical appearance is usually like the the primary sort of thing. Um, and that uh, people uh, in, in study after study after study are shown to be rated higher on other positive traits. Um, so uh, it doesn't just affect, uh, like uh, there are other things that like uh, halo effect can um, uh, come from, not just attractiveness, but people who are sociable or people who are kind um, may also be seen as more likable, more intelligent. Um, and the, this sort of idea is that the perceptions of one quality um, bias the judgments about about other qualities. Height is something that is included in the halo effect. Great being point. Tall, that is such a good point. People um, being slender. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of things which, again, we're sort of grouping them in with other sort of uh, research will show that like tall or slender e- equals attractive. Right. Um, you know, these these different things. Uh, I also think like um, uh, the, 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 the concept of a lot of these can be... Um, you know, there's the, the the ideological sort of background on this could could go a lot of ways. But let's go back to the history of the halo effect. So Edward Thorndike uh, is the one who coined this term in a 1920 paper called "The Constant Error in Psychological Ratings." Um, and so this was in a paper where he designed an experiment that asked uh, commanding officers in the military to evaluate qualities in their subordinate soldiers. And so those qualities were things like leadership or physical appearance, intelligence, loyalty, dependability. So in this, Thorndike's goal uh, was to figure out how ratings of one quality might blend or, or bleed over. Um, so he found that uh, the ratings of some of these qualities um, 
were highly correlated um, with other non-related uh, qualities. Mm. So um, uh, physique was uh, correlated with intelligence at a 0. 0.31, which for those, that means that like um, for every, how would you say this? How would you do? For every one unit of. <laughs> for every one unit of physique, uh, they have they would have an increase in 0. 0.31 units of intelligence, mm-hmm. um, despite there being no actual tie in these two things. Um, physique and leadership, 0.39, which is for y'all who are research folks, anything above a 0. 0.3 is like very strong. 0. 0.39 is basically for every one unit, 0. 0.4 units of of leadership go up for every one unit of yeah, that's physique. a high high correlation. That's very high correlation and then um also for quality of character is 0.28 so this is the like original data which is huge Mm -hmm. right because uh and and it's so important um these kinds of things really matter when uh studies of jurors have found that they're less likely to believe that attractive people are guilty of criminal behavior yeah um uh and this has a real double-edged sword obviously like i i even think it's just like a single-edged sword i mean this (laughs) is also true in job interviews with height Yes. Job interviews with height, leadership, um, people who, um, let me see. So in education, there's all sorts of things. Uh, uh, Students who are rated higher on attractiveness um, are are also assumed to, they they get more attention in a classroom setting. Um, And so like you notice that like students who are rated higher on attractiveness, actually, if they, um, there's one study that uh, sort of took a, a large group and had some of the students take classes online and some of the students take classes in person. And the students who were more attractive got higher scores on the in-person class than the students of a similar level of attractiveness in the online course. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Like they, yeah. Um, so halo effect is huge. In the workplace, um, it, uh, it's shown that um, food, uh, like servers in restaurants get $1,200 more a year in tips in one study. Um, job applications, of course, like uh, huge uh, perspective employees, this is a uh, huge employers human, view the applicant. like cognitive bias. Huge, 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 huge. Um, very famously, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch got in a lot of trouble for um, both racist, fat phobic, um, just hugely like biased uh, attractiveness in in the way they hired people. And they created, they were working to create the halo effect in that they not only, they also used uh, unapproachability. Mm -hmm. So they wanted Abercrombie and Fitch to feel unattainable because it would give the whole company an an aura of um, coolness to get people to buy that product, right? right? This, it is almost like this, um, this like parasocial relationship where it's like, no, you need to buy into this to try to have a piece of this lifestyle right. that we're that we're selling, and they uh, actually horribly, Abercrombie and Fitch um, were sued because they were uh, super racist, uh, and they were um, you know fat phobic. They were they were hiring people based on attractiveness, which is illegal if you're caught doing this. So what they did was they changed the the position title, so that the the employees who sold clothes at Abercrombie and Fitch, their job title was model. Hmm so that they could discriminate. That's wild. Isn't yeah. that wild? 
So they just changed the job title so that they were allowed to discriminate based on attractiveness because they had to make attractiveness a stipulation for the job, which you can't do um, legally right. for a right. job that doesn't that it, that is non you know marketing. But they treated everything like uh, like marketing. Anyways, this is my deep dive on the Halo effect, which it. is not that deep. We could go a lot deeper, obviously, but um, you know, it's not a long podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think. Super interesting with the halo effect to linking it back to white supremacy and the implicit association test that we were talking about last week of just like, like white slash, like what is white is what is seen as physically attractive. And that is what is seen as good. And that is a bias that people have um, that is internalized because of the messages that we see in every magazine Mm -hmm. and that too like speaks to why Anne Hathaway was made over in a very specific way to adhere to those beauty standards um even even in this right she's made to look much more uh like northern or western european mm -hmm. than to look like in the beginning i mean her last name is thermopolis so you could assume maybe greek she has curly hair um, thicker brows, which are like, m- m- you know, pretty normal mm-hmm. for folks of Greek descent. Um, and they really have to work to refine her to look like her blonde grandmother. I mean, she doesn't, she's not blonde in the film, but like. No, totally. Yeah, there's some. Uh, totally. British. British. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is white supremacy yeah. and also fat phobia. Also like a million all of the things, Phobias, all of the biases, biases yeah. Um, all so that we can believe her as royal. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Halo effect. The flip. Boom. The flip side of this is kind of what I researched, which is mm-hmm. like, I, I was just really struck by like Anne Hathaway's or Mia's like very strong desire to be invisible. And her reluctance yeah. to, you know, assume the throne and, and you know, uh, take advantage of this opportunity because she just didn't, you know, there's, like, self-esteem issues. There's, like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think I can do this. There's also, that's not, I've lived my life, you know, to be as invisible as possible, and that's been working really well for me. And just, right. like, really understanding that, like, personality trait i guess um and so it kind of brought me to the big five personality traits right just as some like level setting but this is something that Mm -hmm. um people may have heard of before but it's really you know it's it's conscientiousness extroversion neuroticism openness agreeableness um and so i was looking into extroversion because this invisible desire to be invisible, invisible, this like, mm-hmm. you know, she has one friend essentially Lily. And so really trying to, you know, to me, it kind of seeming like introversion there, shyness or yeah. socially withdrawn. Right. And so preferring, uh, preferring solitude. I mean, she has a tower, right. That she like goes to when she wants to be alone. Totally. Like her, her little princess yeah, tower. I know it's too um, much, you know, also like her mom, like sold two paintings to get a car. Her mom's like gotta be a successful painter. Sorry. I was just, she's also like kind of rich, like a huge house. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the house seems like big, but the car barely works. 
And she does mention in the movie that it's from her dad's side that she that they paid for her to go to this school. They paid for school. her school. You're um, right. Also, another thing that I hated, even as a teenager, mm-hmm. was when she was saying, like, oh, at least you have a dad. And she was like, um, that was like two months ago. I thought you'd be over that by now. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Mm. Anyways. Um, mm. You know, so so this kind of introversion being, yeah, someone who prefers solitude, feels exhausted when having to socialize a lot, finds it difficult to start conversations, dislikes making small talk, carefully thinks through things through before speaking, probably having an aversion to public speaking, doesn't like yeah. to be the center of attention. I don't know if, you know, it's like big, big truth time, but I am a bit of an introvert. I would, yeah. Whoa. This is, yeah. Whoa. I'm just hearing this for the first <laughs> time right now. So, big surprise. Um, Me too. Yeah. Well, aren't you actually I'm like su- a little bit, um, I know you have, ta- we've talked about this in general yeah. of just like from an energy perspective or just like from a needing downtime kind of well, I need downtime, but I'm I am very much an extrovert in that part. Of, you know, a big part of me does recharge socially, and so sometimes, like, uh, this is gonna feel like I'm being a martyr. So, but sometimes, you know, we hear we get a lot, uh, especially lately, of people being like, "Being an introvert is so hard. It's so exhausting for me to be out and about." But sometimes I feel like being an extrovert is also exhausting because it means after a long day at work, I also have to go out and see my friends. <laughs> like, otherwise, like I feel depleted like i'm depleted and so like my actual my not just my like emotional psychological energy levels those actually go up from being out but my physiological energy levels are often like i I burn the candle at both ends because for me to feel good like i i can't just like i can't go go from work to home and back to work would would you say Um, that that really um, hurts me would you say that you work hard and play hard (laughs) (laughs) um i i wouldn't say that about me but i guess it's what like um i guess compared to other people for me it's just like it's my regular day that's just like my go to go it is a neon sign above your bed (laughs) (laughs) god yeah gross um so tacky above my bed it just says like thankful (laughs) it just says hashtag blessed (laughs) yeah um anywho big yeah big surprise you're extroverted i'm introverted i'm super but i think we could pretty confidently classify me as an introvert yes um and so you know i was looking into children and adolescents who are introverted um really how that relates to like psychological well-being um and so i really this this research suggests you know it's not really extra uh, extroversion versus introversion per se in and of itself that predicts um like things like depression or anxiety but it's the combination of things like introversion and neuroticism another big surprise i'm a little bit (laughs) high on neuroticism i actually like i'm not i'm not i'm not like dug into these big five personality types like too much and right. so I forget what a lot of them are a lot. And I was reading neuroticism and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but they actually use they use they use it like as a proxy for like emotional stability mm-hmm. um so fun but yeah so low in or high in neuroticism experiences a lot of stress worries about many different things gets upset easily dramatic shifts in mood feels anxious struggles to bounce back after stressful events i think i've made some progress there as like a developing adult <laughs> but like yeah but like for sure well and the, i mean one of the things the concept of these big five is they're supposed to be stable mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. your life but they of course have you know are mediated and moderated by all sorts of things within you there there are circumstances that can of course you know, lead to like can help an introvert be, you know, tend more toward the extroverted, right? When talking about something they have expertise in or these different things or having somebody who is neurotic feel uh, more, you know, on the like agreeable sort of like flexible um, and non like preoccupied by their own sort of emotional stance. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there, are, these are all like, they're supposed to be permanent, your big five, but um or like the your your traits within the big five, but like you know, like they're. they're I think they're I think predisposition flex. maybe right. Like you might be pre- yeah, predisposed absolutely. to these kinds of, um, like where you skew kind of on the scale. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense to me. But um, totally. But yeah, I it was uh, it's not really introversion in and of itself. It's really like the combination of that with um, other. Yeah, other aspects like neuroticism that can predict depression and anxiety and, and these other kind of like psychological mm-hmm. issues. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing I was really interested in was like how introverts make friends. <laughs> a question oh. I ask myself all the time. No. Um, I mean, at a weird grad school brunch while you're. <laughs> it's like, how do I have for friends? Interviews. Um, that's how we made yeah. fun but you laughed at my I, joke i did i laughed <laughs> real hard because it was real funny uh, uh anyways but uh and now we have a podcast where i do that every week <laughs> 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 um but yeah so i was interested in just uh how introverts make friends especially you know as children and adolescents um, and so right. there is a decent amount of evidence that suggests that, uh, and they, they use the term like socially withdrawn. Um, mm-hmm. and it's more of this like, uh, voluntary like withdrawal versus like mm-hmm. being rejected by peers. And so there's mm-hmm. studies in kind of both types of children, right? Like shy slash withdrawn children, um, versus like, you know, uh, rejected children who like okay. peers mm-hmm. choose to kind of, uh, like outcast, right. Versus mm-hmm. children who, uh, decide to withdraw from social interactions. Yeah. Um, what they have in right. common is that they are kind of on the like quote unquote outside or periphery of a social scene, but one is kind of mm-hmm. by choice. Or th- because right. of anxiety or, you know, social anxiety. Sure. The other is kind of not by choice. It's kind of been decided by uh, their peers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of shy withdrawn children, well, actually, that was one question. was like, because you see some peer victimization. I mean, you see a lot, some pretty bad victimization and bullying 
in this movie with Mandy Moore's character and the cheerleaders, I mean, multiple people, like, you can see who are the cool people, quote-unquote, and who are not the cool people. Mm -hmm. And, like, to me, it seems like Mia is more shy slash withdrawn than, like, bullied into, like... Not. It's a yeah. mix. I mean, she is. A, she's very much bullied. She is in the beginning, especially. Yeah, but it's like right at I the wonder, beginning. That I wonder, like how? Yeah, which, which came yeah. first? Because they are correlated yeah. for sure, right? Like shy, withdrawn children oh, yeah. tend to be the targets of of victimization. More, you know. Right. But I. So that was one thing. But I. Let's say that she's socially anxious. You know, and mm-hmm. and withdrawn. Um, mm-hmm. let's, let's go with that. So there's research that suggests, especially as children, like they're, uh, socially or shy slash withdrawn children are just as likely to have a best friend or have form friendships yeah. as their kind of control peers. Right. Yeah. That. Um, however, there is some like differences or yeah, differences when it comes to, like, the quality of those friendships. Oh, and that no. was interesting to me. Um, one of one of the kind of interpretations was, like, you know, uh, this kind of birds of a feather, like, metaphor of, like, shy mm-hmm. and withdrawn children tend to be friends with other shy and withdrawn children. And so uh, at times, like, they're both the victims of, you know, Oh, bullying no, yeah. and they can't really protect each other because they're you know right so that's kind of one scenario where nothing unites you like a common exactly enemy. like misery loves company <laughs> lana but you know so that's kind of like one i guess path or like type of of friendship that can exist in our in you know certain certain co or dyads right of like best friends mm-hmm. um and so the quality of that friendship may suffer because there's like less um, feeling protected or like what is sorry I'm looking at this study but it was these uh, like measures of so shy and withdrawn children withdrawn children rated their best friendships as significantly lower in help and guidance um, oh interesting. yeah because if another child is like dealing with the same right. thing right of course they're not going to have as right. much help the loss leading the exactly. loss um sure but there was also i had to change that so it didn't sound so ableist i was going to say something else <laughs> yeah 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 uh that was a good good just like challenging or just thinking yeah. in the moment um i had to rethink like birds of a feather <laughs> uh <laughs> I feel okay about that, but anyways, there's also the, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're they okay. also um, had other, they rated their best friendships as significantly lower in intimate disclosure, which we see in this movie where yeah. she's not as uh, you know telling her best friend Lily that yeah. she's a princess and conflict resolution, which we see a little bit of. I mean, they get into some ugly fights, but they, I think they, I mean, because. Again, they, they, they resolve, resolve it, it and, because and Lily takes full accountability of like her stuff. She is which fully I actually felt was not super realistic based off of how else she's shown up as like a friend in this. Movie. I mean, 
but in that sense, like, it's also, like, not even so realistic that she'd even be friends with her. Like, she's well, so mean. Well, there is some, like... She's just trying to get with her brother, because Anna Hathaway's a loser. <laughs> a user. <laughs> well, no, user, there's... I mean. There, I mean, I totally disagree with that. She's, like, very, no, very kidding. unaware totally of the, the crush there. Um, yeah. But... Uh, so, yeah, the, you know, they're, they are somewhat just as likely yeah. to have friendships. Um, mm-hmm. And even those friendships, albeit, like, in some ways um, being of lower quality or, like, having less positive elements to them is still, like, socially good. You know, like, it's still helpful. Yeah. Um, still helpful, still provides some fulfillment, some engagement. Yeah, but, so I thought that was interesting. Like, it made me happier that they're, like, just as likely to have friendships, but maybe some of their interpersonal struggles were a little bit worse. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I imagine some of it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when it comes to some of the closeness, like, extroverts, I think, have more encounters with other people um are are more likely to maybe take a take a risk to talk to someone new yeah um and therefore um they're a little less siloed and so the the relationships they do build maybe just have an ability to have a little more of that um i definitely know that i experienced some tension in some of my relationships with some uh introverted folks growing up where it i would feel like uh a competition like as I would make more friends the my some of my introverted friends would feel very like frustrated with me that I would be going over and talking to like other people and I think like in the context of you sort of naming this I'm like oh right because like maybe the like broader quality of some of their they, they had fewer people to like a sm- you know a smaller number of resources to draw that's from so interesting because in I feel like that too with because I tend to be friends with people who are more extroverted or like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say like a lot of my very close friendships tend to be with people who are extroverted. I wonder, A, if that's a protective thing. I'm just like, I... Maybe. And this is something I've noticed, just not even like, you're protecting me from bullying, like, no. But right. in social situations, because of social anxiety, like, I don't have to work as hard. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. if I'm with someone who's extroverted, I can allow them to steer the conversation or like you know like and it's mm-hmm. it's much easier for me to relax around right. someone who's like i got this socially like don't worry you know right um i mean in our relationship i definitely feel like i was like hey we're friends now we, come I on was describing that too because i feel like i don't know if i've said this to you directly but like uh, my i think it was my boyfriend but like i was saying <laughs> it felt very much like it was like me and like the cognitive neuroscience buddies and we were like you know in a, relegated to another building we were non-clinical we were very nerdy right and um right. then you were like the child psychology crew and i think there was like one of the first days of orientation you were like you want to have lunch with us and i was like oh my god me <laughs> 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 and i felt like you guys were all because you had you had also hung out a little bit before orientation yeah, with the so child, you the seemed other two child super people, tight yeah. like there was like yeah we'd also been texting for yeah months. so i was like very yeah. intimidated and yeah um I yeah i remember like you asked in a very normal way but the way that i remember it in my head was like very <laughs> high school like <laughs> you want to sit with us you know and i was like yes yeah, i yeah, do yeah. 
Um, yes, I am. <laughs> please don't figure out that I'm weird. <laughs> Still haven't. <laughs> um, Never will. And we were 28 years old, and that's fine. Um, I was. You were 29. 29. Yeah. I'm. I'm. We were the old mm-hmm. dogs. We were the two oldest people in that grad program. Anyways, we yeah, digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, this was. I had a real yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, this was fun. This felt this like movie. a little bit like you know me search. It was a little me searchy for yeah. both of us. I'm so beautiful <laughs> that I just have. <laughs> JK, LOL, BRB. Um, and humble. Yeah. Um, but no, I think uh, I, I, I enjoyed actually the research on this. And I thought it was fun to do. Um, uh, we have an announcement yes. before we end. Um, we will be back in two yep, weeks. Taking a week off because I'm getting married. <laughs> it's like... Oh. What? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing of it's this. It's like a little, yeah, a little one day, one. Yeah, day you're getting off, married, yeah. and I will. I want the audience to know. Joanna was like, "No, no, I can fit it in. I can do the podcast." <laughs> and I was like, "Joanna, <laughs> it's really okay." I'm taking like a half miss. day off of work too. It's yeah, gonna she's, be she's, great. She's uh, pushing, um, going yeah. for it. Uh, but uh, so we will be back in two weeks. Uh, with a new episode uh, that will be chosen by Joanna. So we just wanted to give y'all that reminder. Um, If you come looking for us uh, a week from now, you know, maybe go back and listen to some of our old ones. Yeah. Um, Give it a think. Give it a whirl. Um, So we'll be back in October. Yeah, it'll Um, be October. It'll be October. Um, But uh, I've been Dr. J.D. Barton. I've been Dr. Joanna Wheatkin. Please rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell two friends. And we really mean that, y'all. Please. We're growing Unless slowly, you're an introvert, which and, uh, you can just tell your best friend. If you're an introvert, maybe just like, I don't know, tweet it anonymously. <laughs> um, but uh, let people yeah. know. Uh, if, if, if you're an introvert, tell one friend and, and a yeah. parent. <laughs> tell a cousin. Um, but anyways... We love you, mean it, and we'll be back in two weeks. Keep it real. (laughs) Gotta wait for it. Psych. (laughs) (laughs) Don't keep it real. Bye.